Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I was dreaming up a great introduction because everybody's been asking for them, but I, I still don't have a good one. I'm Nate Bauer. Sean Fitz is joining me. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. I just shout out to the guy that critiques my intros on the podcast. It is what it is. We can't, I mean, he's we right. can't he, do better than that. He's, he's not right. wrong. I mean, it's become a bit, really, is what it's become. So joke's on him, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm going to lean into it. This is okay. a Monday show. It's not a live Monday show because uh, National Signing Day is on Wednesday. We do plan to go live on Wednesday night. Um, I don't know if I told our producers I was going to say that in the outset. But we plan on doing that because it's a very busy recruiting day. It's a very busy recruiting week. And uh, a lot of things are happening. Penn State's a couple of weeks away from playing in the Rose Bowl against Utah. So we've got that. Uh, Rose Bowl Media Day was on Friday. And, uh, you know, we're just catching up on some stuff. Got, got through the weekend okay. Uh, Penn State not busy whatsoever on the, uh, on the recruiting front this weekend, which never happens. So uh, yes. I get that out of the way. But there's, there's plenty to talk about. Yeah, let's let's start from the jump with uh, the immediate news, the the roster news that's happened uh, for, for Penn State over the weekend. I think it was was it Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, Nick Tarburton was kind of the first first guy to uh, announce uh, his his the, the guys that are on the fence. Right. Those those guys that have a bonus year that can come back. Uh, Fitz, why don't you detail? that one for us. Yeah, it's going to be a little dicey with those situations because, you know, Nick Tarburton, they would have welcomed him back, but he's been around for a long, long time. And college football is tough and college football hanging around the same place for a long time, like he has done, is number one, admirable. Most guys don't make it five years, but number two, six years is, a, is an even longer time. So he's going to go pro, um, give it a shot. I don't know that he's uh, looked at as a potentially high draft pick or draft pick at all. Um, but he's been a really solid player for Penn State. Honestly, outperformed the expectations that uh, that I had for him because I wasn't sure if he'd ever get on the field. I mean, this is a guy for his first couple of seasons was just always in the training room, never uh, you know out on the practice field. And obviously uh, injuries piled up for him, but he did a heck of a job in coming through. And it was tough injury. I mean, hips and knees and things like that. Just stuff that guys don't bounce back like that from. So uh, Nick Tarburton, a warrior through that all um, and had a pretty good season for Penn State. I know everybody looks at the, the flashier numbers with Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac getting the sacks and things like that. But uh, there's there's a role for a guy like Nick Tarburton. And I know Penn State staff, just from from speaking them to them informally, are really going to miss what he brought to the table. Yeah, I, I, th- I do think that there's a point to make uh, that that probably gets lost a little bit in the shuffle about um, – you know, you know, he he talked before he made this announcement. He talked about all of the things that go into the decision, and one is just this like commitment. You have to be all in. You have to be willing to do all of the things that come with college football. And I do think there there is an element again that gets overshadowed of 
like you got to take classes, right? You're still, you're still taking an academic course load, even when you're into that fifth and sixth year of the process. And so if, if there's something else out there that appeals to you of not having a midterm to study for not having a, a term paper that's due, right. Like there's just, there's an expiration date. I feel like for a lot of people in their lives with, with those types of things. And, you know, for a guy who's been playing football as long as he has, and has been in the college football system for as long as he's has, you know, uh, some, some of the, the, the requirements that go that are involved in being a college football player just they get they get tedious we've seen this through the years you you have to be on like all the time yeah. for a long period of time and you know you don't get you don't get a ton of downtime and it's some people can do that i mean jonathan sutherland came back uh, for a sixth year and he's not going to be a drafted guy but still at the same time like he had to be on and get his couple degrees and things like that. It's very hard to do. It's very tiring, uh, especially for a guy like Nick that's been through as many injuries as he's been through. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he made a lot of his career, made the most of his career. And, uh, you know, they're going to miss him playing in that role. I think defensive end will be fine moving forward. Uh, you feel pretty good about Adisa and Chop. And then uh, the, the younger guys deny Dennis Sutton and Amin Vanover. And, you know, you see what, see what you can throw out, what else you can throw into that group. Um, with uh, with Davon Townley leaving, Rodney McGraw, who's more of an interior guy at this point anyway, leaving. Um, yeah. You've got some questions, but further down the list um, in terms of the depth charts. So I think defensive end will be fine, but uh, you would have liked to have a Nick Tarburton back for another year just to uh, to play that role. And, you know, he was the one guy that you could really say could play the run with uh, and, and be effective with it. But it'll clear the way for those younger guys, uh, namely Deny Dennis Sutton and Amin Vanover to take over. So um, I think there's good good things on this from both sides. But, yeah, I don't think people will understand how much uh, of, yeah. of, of a grind this absolutely is and, you know, how a lot of it, you know, it, it's fantastic being out there and in the helmet in front of 110,000 people. But, you know, a lot of the time is not spent in front of 110,000 people cheering you on. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. So. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, Penn State has not been hit by the portal very hard. Um, in fact, we expected movement and probably a little bit more movement and, and yep. not not ruling this out after the bowl game or after the spring when guys have decided that they've figured out where they're at in terms of graduating and, and things of that nature. But Penn State has not been hit hard at all. We've seen a lot of schools that have been gutted um, by the portal and uh, Penn State certainly not on that list. But a couple of guys found new homes. Uh, the aforementioned Rodney McGraw is going to go to Louisville. Uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, we knew we wanted to get closer to his Indiana home. So this is a little bit closer. It's not exactly Purdue where I thought he would land, but he is landing with the Purdue staff. So uh, the yeah. old staff. So there's uh, certainly some connections there to his home state. And then Christian Bayer, this is the interesting one because uh, it's been rumored for a while. We thought maybe tech, maybe tech uh, reunited with Brent Pry, but Pitt has been one that's been rumored for a long time. And he committed this weekend to, uh, to, Join that room, which already took one transfer uh, in this cycle in Phil Jerkovic, uh, to, to join that room and potentially eventually win a starting job at Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's still he's still young, though. That's the that's the thing that, uh, you know, occasionally gets overlooked is he's he's got uh, certainly three years to to continue to play. And uh, you would expect that you would anticipate that there would be some opportunity there uh, for him. I, th I think uh, it's a little clearer than at Penn State. I mean, yeah, no doubt oh, for sure, so, for yeah. sure, for sure. Uh, we're going to get into some Rose Bowl talk here in just a bit. But before we do, uh, I need to thank our sponsor for this show, which is uh, Cat 
collegiate athletic travel. They are fantastic. Uh, I've used them personally. We've uh, Blue White Illustrated has flown with them and done trips with them for many years uh, to, to Penn State's bold destinations. And speaking personally, just it, they're top notch. I mean, it's it's a, it's an unbelievable. I don't know if this is exactly the right way to phrase it, but it's a mindless experience. You literally just show up. You can get on a plane uh, and end up at your destination without the layovers, without the hassles, without the all, all of the stuff that goes into travel these days. Um, and so they are our sponsor today, and they are selling a great rate if you're still looking for a trip to the Rose Bowl for $895. They're doing direct trips, direct flights round trip from Harrisburg to Hollywood Burbank Airport, uh, LA's Easy In, Easy Out Airport. I've We did it. Uh, we did a state college to Burbank, but it is unbelievable. So much easier than flying through LAX, which Sean and I are doing. <laughs> Can't wait. Later this month, can't wait. Uh, again, $895. Book now. Uh, there's only a couple of seats left at that price. So take advantage. Uh, again, Penn State's longtime bowl tra- travel experts, collegiate athletic travel cat. Uh, for complete details and to book your trip, go to athletictravel.com. That is athletictravel.com. Thanks again to Cat uh, for, for sponsoring this show today. A little bit of news, right, Uh, in in addition from outside of Penn State's roster, right? Uh, Penn State was able to bring somebody into the program this weekend. Detail that for us, Fitz. Uh, First scholarship addition from the portal comes in the form of freshman All-American Riley Thompson, who isn't actually a freshman, which is really (laughs) – it's really interesting because he was named a freshman All-American last year at FAU, averaging 45.4 yards a punt, but he's just got one year left or – possibly to with an appeals process or things like that. So I think that that's interesting to note uh, that news came across this weekend and you wonder what's going on with Alex Paquetta, uh, the freshman that came in last year. Um, but Penn state feels like they need uh, somebody that can do it right away uh, consistently. And Riley Thompson, a little bit older um, and he'll have a, an opportunity to do that this year. Um, and, and if they're spending a scholarship on a position or on a punter uh, for or rather, then that must mean something is they're, they're kind of, they're going to count on him very soon. Yeah. So Riley Thompson, the latest member of the Penn state portal class that also includes Alex Falcons, who was on campus over the weekend, the kicker from Columbia who will actually walk on. Um, and I think compete next year with Sanders to Haydack. So those of you um, that are special teams heads that, that follow this podcast, like, uh, like myself, um, that's, it's very important. I mean, you, you don't worry about your punter until you've got reasons to, complain about your punter so and you feel yep. that about every specialist position um riley thompson is a guy that's going to come in um provide competition right away and i think he'll play right away as well so it'll be very interesting to see that competition in the spring but as i said he was a freshman all-american last year fau kind of uh i don't know did him dirty by by making actually no kind of it kind of enhanced his profile by making him a freshman, but uh, his his academic calendar, his NCAA calendar started when he was a student back in Australia. So he's only got one, maybe two years to go, two years pending an appeal uh, with COVID and things like or with the COVID year and things like that. So Riley Thompson, a big addition um, and, and a guy that can can come in and play right away. Yeah. Uh, and Paquetta is honestly naturally we're, we're going to talk about Paquetta a little bit uh, as a guy who. Uh, I think it became it was the storyline in the spring was the, oh my goodness this guy um, coming into the program 
is one of the better true right uh, high school prospects high school. that yeah. Penn State has been able to land or or had had been dealing with. Uh, Blake Gillikin was a huge proponent of him. Um, I, I don't think any of that's changed, right? Like Alex Paquetta is still a guy that Penn State uh, is going to look to do some things. Uh, good things, productive things through his career at Penn State. It's just a matter of, and it, this became clear through the course of the season and even in the preseason, consistency. That's it. It's always it's always consistency, and particularly at that position, uh, you know, you see how important it is. Yeah, young specialists do not always make that transition seamlessly. I know that a couple of guys have come in and kicked and punted right away, but that's not something that is the norm. Um, and you would like it to be because you would like to stack four years on top of four years on top of four years if you're using your scholarships. But just in the reality of the situation is not always that easy. Um, the, the consistency factor, I mean, he was not close to Barney Amore uh, when Barney won the starting punting job. I think a lot of people expected him, myself included, I expected him to come in and be the guy. And it just uh, sometimes it doesn't happen like that. So he's got some improvement to make uh, from a consistency level. You could say the same about Sahadak. I mean, they're bringing in Falcons to compete with him. Um, and and I think there's plenty of questions. Jake Pinnegar, um, I don't expect him back, but he's still got that year available. But uh, these are the guys that we're looking to for next year. Speaking of which, there are a bunch of guys that have decisions to make and a bunch of guys that gave, well, non-answers at Media Day on Friday. You go down the list, Brenton Strange, Juice Scruggs, who accepted that Shrine Bowl invitation, Adisa Isaac, Jake Pinnegar. I even asked Chris Stoll what his plans were afterward. And he's a six-year senior. He can't, he cannot play unless he got one of those waivers that the Oregon tight end got that who's going for a I think a ninth year now. Um, yeah, and, and he was saying he's just focused on the Rose Bowl. So that that's all you're gonna get out of these guys right now, unless they put out something uh, like Nick Tarburton put out the other day. They're well-trained. They do a, a heck of a job in that uh, strategic communications uh, with uh, with getting those guys to say the right things and not going to get much out of them. But we did get um, uh, from the players probably the most noteworthy item uh, was that Jair Brown was going to play in the Rose Bowl. And I, I, I think we thought he was going to play in the Rose Bowl, but he did come out and say that hey, he's 50-50 at one point because uh, yeah. there's a lot, a lot going on with this situation. So uh, Jair Brown's going to play. I don't I probably be on some sort of pitch count as one of the older guys, but at the same time, uh, it gives you that veteran leadership through practice, through that trip. And it gives him the opportunity to get out uh, and play in the Rose Bowl, which if you, we've talked about his story a bunch of times from Trenton, from Lackawanna, uh, from coming where he's come from to play in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think it's 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 something different than last year when they were in this situation going to Tampa to play in the Outback Bowl. Yeah, I thought I thought that uh, the way that James Franklin uh, he was asked specifically about uh, opt outs and uh, you know I, I love nothing more than reading between the lines and I thought that in particular uh, his response about opt outs was telling because he said uh, right he's he had never had an opt out until last year uh, and he says quote really in in really the way in my mind we've built it at Penn State there's really no reason to opt out. We will be flexible with all our guys. I want our guys to be as successful as they possibly can. I want the bowl experience to be a great experience. We'll work with our guys. All right. What does that mean? That means if guys are uncomfortable, if guys think that they're going to be in any particular danger, any uh, high risk activity, things that the percentages are, are riskier in terms of right putting your, your health at risk, 
Penn State won't play them in those situations. Penn State, right? I mean, if you're a, a punt returner, maybe you don't do that. Kick return, you don't do that. There, there are different things, uh, whether it's limiting their rep count, limiting the types of, of plays that they're in on. Uh, like Penn State will be flexible with those things. And I think that's, that is what James Franklin is saying there is there's no reason to opt out because we're going to do whatever the kid wants to do in the first place, right? Like you're not as a, as a staff and as a football program, they're not going to go against the wishes of these players. It's more important to Penn state, the program to, to have their, their participation, to have that buy-in and to, to keep the, the group together, all, all of those things. So I just, I thought that that was, was pretty interesting. Um, you know, in the way that he, yes, he's, he's not saying it, saying it, but that's more or less where he's coming from. Yeah, it makes sense. And and it is about what provides the most value because that, that experience is of course one thing, but it also, when we talked about this with Joey Porter, being a first round pick at cornerback provides the program a ton of value. And, you know, if he, if he wants, if he thinks that not playing in this game is the best way to become a first round pick Penn States for that, you know, they're, they're fine with it. I mean, you obviously want to have your best guys out there, but at the same time, you want to do what's best by the kid, by the family and, and by the program. Um, and I think they've done that, um, you know, last year, a bit of an anomaly, like I mentioned, long, long season where guys uh, found themselves in a, in a situation where they thought it was best to sit out. Um, you know, it wasn't best for the team in the Outback Bowl against Arkansas, but you you saw some some budding things coming out of that game. So I think that that's that's important to remember. But yeah, you've got uh, guys. You know, what does this mean for um, some of the younger guys that uh, will get practice reps? You know, Juice Scruggs. We're talking about him accepting the Shrine Bowl, which seems to be telling. Brenton Strange has he talked about the combine the other day, which seems to be telling. And we've been saying for a long time on our site, both of these guys, we don't expect them to be around next year. But at the same time, um, no final, no finality from those guys means something. But you work those younger guys in there. You work uh, Khalil Dinkins in through there. You work uh, Vega Yone uh, in at guard and switch some things around. So. It, I think there's value at every level of the program when you talk about opt-outs and, and we've talked about this before, like this is, this is individual decisions that, uh, you know, you don't take lightly and, and, and I'm fine with anybody making the decision that they think is best for their future. Cause I think that's in, in essence, that's what college is all about. Yeah, no, no doubt. Want to before we continue our our uh, Rose Bowl talk and some of the things that we we saw and heard at Media Day, I want to make sure that we uh, acknowledge and thank our other sponsor for this episode, uh, which is Rogue Shop. Rogue is obviously uh, a, a group that's been with us for the past few months. They've been a great supporter of Blue White Illustrated. Uh, they are at rogueshop.com, R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Husband and wife team that specialize in small batch, sustainable plant medicine, true holistic type of small business. Uh, they're based out of Wisconsin and uh, they, they really come at this professionally, right? I mean, it, it is pure uh, plant-based, um, you know, holistic medicine. Uh, so whether you are looking for uh, CBD flour, CBD hot cocoa, hemp soap, lip balm, bath soaks, uh, they sell all of it. It is all at their shop, uh, which you can go check out. And if you use our code, promo code BWI, uh, that obviously lets them know that uh, that you came from Blue White Illustrated. So uh, thank you to them again at Rogue Shop, R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Uh, Did I get hot cocoa in there? Is that There's a hot cocoa. 
There's a hot cocoa. I, I, Amazing. Steve Frank's got all the product. I don't have. Yeah, he's holding out on us. Let's uh, let's get some of that over the mountain here. A little um, bit. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kaden, Olu, and Kivon. That was like, that's kind of news, right? The trifecta, yes. Yeah, I mean, as, as they're called, James. James does the thing where he says they're ho- he's hopeful to get them back, and you know yeah. he did not ever say that Caden uh, Wallace or uh, nor uh, Olu Fashanu uh, are going to be out for the season. So he left that door open for them. Um, but yeah, you, you've been able to play through it in the last month of the season, but to get those bodies back would be good. Caden was out there the last couple of weeks, whether it be practice, whether it be in the pregame, he looked like he was close. Olu was not around there. So, um, just getting any bodies back at, at that offense, as that offensive line that you can is good. Kevon continues to be, uh, you know, we've been watching him wondering what his next step is going to be. Uh, I don't think there's any finale on the situation because you look at the uh the reality of it and you've got two freshmen running back that took the ball they were the hot hands and they ran with it Kevon did deal with some injuries but in the same at the same time was kind of phased out as well so you've got uh you've got questions about whether or not and some of the things that he's done in this offseason would lead you to believe that he plans on coming back but uh you know the first step would be getting there to the Rose Bowl and and maybe having a role in the Rose Bowl. Um, I I do think that that would be a big piece for next year. Like you've got the the running back situation that they're in, of course, uh, looking at the portal, looking at a potential second uh, running back in this class, and it's uh, 3.30 on Monday afternoon, so we're kind of waiting out a decision from Cam Wallace right now, um, the the running back from Georgia. But you would love to get an experienced guy, um, it, whether it be in the portal, whether it be Kevon Lee, an experienced guy that you could uh, rely on. And you know, that's, a, that's a pretty big piece right there because you don't want to have to go through another season where you play half of the games with essentially two running backs. Yeah. I, I mean, I just to make it clear, because I, I'm not sure how clear it is, like Penn State does not want Kevon Lee to leave, right? I mean, like that is, it would very much be of benefit to, the, the room, I mean, f- to, to play the way that they did with two scholarship running backs through that last third of the season, last half of the season, once Devin Ford left, uh, like it, it just went from a situation where they were stocked. You had five uh, at the beginning of the season with Keziah Holmes and and all of a sudden it kind of evaporated on them into into just two. So, uh yeah, the, the I fact did, that you're not suggest doing that again. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they no, got, not they got wise. I mean, you, you could say it. they got lucky with the way that those guys stayed healthy. And that's just that's not a that's not a reflection on Nick Singleton and Katron Allen as much as it is. A, you know, we've seen Maryland 
lose five tailbacks. We we saw Penn State uh, in 2012 lose all of the tailbacks essentially, and you know they eventually made do with uh, with Zach Swinnick. But at the same time, it, it was not an ideal situation. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know nobody asked about Kevon Lee at Bowl Media Day, right? Like James Franklin brought that up brought on up. his yeah. own, and so that like. That uh, that rang some alarm bells uh, for me in terms of hey, if, like trying to keep him involved, trying to keep him part of the program and and uh, keep his name as part of that conversation. Uh, moving on from those guys, uh, there were a couple other things obviously that stood out. Manny Diaz uh, was certainly, I mean, tremendously well spoken. I thought it was uh, the best media uh, appearance that he has had through his time at Penn state, just so relaxed, so confident. And there's reason for it, right? I mean, there's, there, there's every reason for him to feel very confident right now. Uh, what, what were some of your takeaways from him? Well, he spent the last year at Miami, everyone calling for his head. And then all of a sudden, you know, he comes here. I don't want to call it a low pressure job, but it's, it's much different being a defensive coordinator than being a head coach. And then your defense plays like that. You should, you should feel pretty good about yourself if you're Manny Diaz. Um, and he will find himself on these short lists for these different different jobs. I think it was the FAU job was the one that uh, was the FAU or yeah, FAU job that he was uh, mentioned for. So he he should be on these lists. But I think it was very important that he kind of laid out his position. He's like, hey, I'm not necessarily looking, which every coach is always looking to move up, no doubt about it. But at the same time, like it's got to be the right job. I'm sure he's making pretty decent coin right now. So taking a job where he's going to take a big pay cut to be in charge once again, isn't necessarily the best route. And I think he's seen that before um, or he's at least watch guys do that before. So uh, that, that was cool. And, and again, he seems to be um, displaying the confidence that his defense was playing with. And I think it's been really cool to watch this defense evolve. We heard about it in the preseason where guys were excited to play in this defense because you can be an individual star in this defense. And I know that's not ultimately what everything is about, but you can rack up numbers, turnover numbers and things like that. Sack numbers, uh, you know, from, from different areas. And I think it was really cool to see all that come to fruition, especially with your, your preseason reporting was spot on when you talked about Manny Diaz and what, how his defense would be different than Brent Pry's defense. And uh, Brent, there's a lot to be said for the way that Brent Pry did things, but uh, it's just, I would say a little bit more fun watching this one. Uh, yeah, no, certainly the, the playmaking was accentuated and it's just, man, I mean, Abdul Carter uh, in year two, uh, it's, it's interesting because help. game, game breakers help. That's not, they, they certainly yeah. do. And, and it, and it also, it, it's so reminiscent of, you know, Michael Parsons really not, I'm not making that direct comparison because I think it's, it's obviously so early and too early to do that, but the notion of what Michael Parsons was at the end of that 2019 season when he went nuts in the Cotton Bowl, like that sense of anticipation, I think, is similar for for Abdul Carter and what it might look like from him uh, given a second go round next year. Uh, Pat Kraft was a guy who who took the the podium at Beaver Stadium. He he had a few things to go through. NIL was one of them. We will. Uh, for all of your listening pleasure, save that until another day to talk about. But Beaver Stadium was one thing that he did discuss that I think everybody is very interested in. Is it a renovation? Is it a rebuild? Is it both? Uh, Does it matter? Does it matter? Yes. Will the press box fall off the stadium before they get to it? I don't know. Um, No, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting thing because that building is 
a, a bit dated when you look at uh, around the around the Big Ten. And I'm I am being kind because I know people have a strong emotional attachment to that building, but at the same time, it's an erector set for a reason. Like that's that's kind of what it, uh, what you're going with. And you know, taking this program into the the new era of this program is going to require uh, you know more amenities. It, it's very easy to watch the game at home on your HDTV in the comfort of your own home. You have to meet them in the middle, provide the experience that, uh, you know, provide an experience that makes it worth making that trip, especially at a place like Penn State, where you've got to drive an hour and a half from Harrisburg, a couple hours from Pittsburgh, Philly, New York, wherever it may be for a lot of these guys to come in. So I think that that's really what you're trying to get across is you're trying to modernize the program as a whole. But uh, a good way to do that is by finding the right path in that in that building. Yeah, he he uh, for those who, who weren't able to, to listen to what uh, Pat Kraft said about the subject, he he more or less uh, pigeonholed them into a renovation. Right. It Like he, he didn't he didn't say he he more or less kept the possibility of a brand new build on a brand new plot of land as being out of the question. Right. Like, right. I, I mean, I'm, I, I think that's sense. fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, but the important thing, and this is whether it's insights at uh, the Lions Den message board, which you need to join for ten dollars between now and next August, the end of next August. Please sign up; uh, it's a great value. Uh, but some of the insights that that we've received there, and some of the the people and and the way that you can see based on the the semantics, the wording that he uses. Okay, it, it's probably going to be a renovation, but that renovation is very likely going to look like a complete rebuild in various sections, right? That, like this will be a section by section uh, deconstruction, yeah. right? Like deconstruction and reconstruction of, uh, you know, a, more or less a brand new stadium. Um, and so it's we're going to have these conversations and people are going to talk about it. And there's all different paths that I understand, um, you know, uh, about people's opinions about Beaver stadium. And ultimately I think that's, it's, it's the site will remain the same. And so uh, given the fact that the site will likely remain the same and that they're, they intend to have a, a recommendation within the next few months is, is what he said. So, you know, that's something that's going to go to the board of trustees and to the president and they'll have to figure out where to go from there. funding, all of that stuff. He didn't get into that, but it's going to be a brand new building. <laughs> like it ultimately the building that you walk into is not the building uh, that, that it is today because you can't retrofit a stadium like Beaver stadium. Like it's just, it, it's so discombobulated and disjointed that uh, it, it does seem very much like it's headed towards a complete rebuild there. And uh, really, let's say this, it's a really cool building and experience and nostalgia and things like that. But there are improvements that definitely could be and need to be made. Yeah. I, I love going. To I'm, I'm, I'm just playing that side where they're, they're going to think that we're just crapping on the stadium. And uh, uh, you know. it's, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's certain. I understand the nostalgia side of it. I, I just think it's that there's, there's a little bit of a lack of imagination about what, what could be right. What, what the, what the experience needs to be, in the modern fan attendance era, 
right? You know, like you look at some of these other stadiums and these other places that, uh, you know, we've been fortunate enough to go and cover Penn State at. We're, we're still not like having that fan experience of sitting in the stands. And I understand that. But whether it's our own experiences in the past or people around us, you know, the, the, the cramped metal bleachers where people are like flailing to get over you to, to be able to go to the bathroom and bathroom lines are forever. Like those things just don't sell today. They don't, yeah. they don't do as well. Um, and so while the demand may still be high for Penn state football tickets uh, in, in the future, you're, you're not building for five years from now, you're building for four years from now. Uh, and that's the type of thing that Penn state's going to have to, to get figured out there. Yeah, sitting, uh, sitting sideways, sitting sideways for the Ohio yeah. Bobcats is not exactly the the amenities that you're looking for in a stadium. No, no, and 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 I have spoken enough. Fitz, the rest of the show is you. Uh, recruiting storylines. I know we've got a fast uh, a forty yard dash here between now and Wednesday, but what, what are some of the things that you're expecting? And I actually have another question for you. You start there. I'll start here. You don't walk away. Um, no, I mean, signing day on Wednesday, uh, as we mentioned before, waiting out a decision from Cam Wallace. We're recording on Monday afternoon. We're expecting a decision on Monday uh, from the running back from Georgia. So not going to get too deep into that one. Um, but I don't expect a ton of fireworks here uh, before Wednesday. Daniel Harris is the guy that I think Penn State has been, you know, uh, putting up there as their top uh, priority. And I don't really see this one getting done. Uh, I put in my RPM for Georgia uh, on Monday morning. So you've got uh, you've got some things at play here that uh, make it tough to get him out of Miami um, and away uh, to to the north. And I just don't see that happen for Penn State. Um, no visitors, as we mentioned over the weekend. Uh, Quintrail Travis, the junior college defensive tackle, who won the, by the way, won the MVP award in the junior college national championship game that Iowa Western won. Uh, did not come in this weekend. There were some movement things at play. He had to get out of his housing in Iowa Western. He's going to come in in January. He's not a January enrollee, so he's going to come in and take an official visit in January. January. It'll be very interesting to see how his profile will uh, sort of blow up between now and then. But signing in February, you've always got these guys that uh, seemingly go from a couple of offers or whatever to very popular guys. Penn State actually offered a guy, Jimmy Onoa, uh, from uh, Dundalk, Maryland, which not too many prospects coming out of Dundalk um, on Sunday night. These guys that can really blow up and, and really help their recruitment. And not everybody can wait until February to sign, and I understand that, but uh, some of these guys will benefit and get more options. Um, with uh, Quintrell Travis, you're looking at Auburn possibly coming into the mix, Tennessee coming into the mix as well. So once these uh, schools figure out their numbers. Once these schools figure out where they're headed uh, and and get everything settled on Wednesday, then they'll take a look at uh, February and see what's up. We're also waiting out Conrad Hussey. Penn State uh, got him in the class a while ago, but South Florida recruiting, man, it's uh, it's something different. He was at Miami over the weekend, was at Florida State last weekend. I know there was a Colorado visit rumored that he did not take. Um, so Penn State's sort of waiting on pins and needles because uh, you can feel really good about it one moment, and then all of a sudden you get some new information and some things change completely. So watching Conrad Hussey, uh, again, Daniel Harris, I, I picked to Georgia. I don't see that one changing before Wednesday, but this one has changed 
probably three or four times in the last month. So I uh, can't, uh, can't say that one for sure. And of course, waiting out a decision from Cam Wallace. So I don't expect a ton of, a, a ton of additions before Wednesday. Um, this class, as you're looking at it is uh, pretty much uh, as it will stand on Wednesday and we'll see what, uh, see what happens on national signing day, but don't forget to join us on national signing day. Ryan and I will have a recruiting show that night. What's your question? You guys, yeah, you guys will have a recruiting show that night. We will have live coverage. James Franklin has a press conference at 2 p.m. Uh, a bunch of the staffers, uh, Terry Smith will be there. I believe Andy Frank will be there uh, at, at that press conference. On Alan, Alan Zemitis and Kenny Sanders will be there, which I'm really looking yeah. for. Whenever we get those guys that don't all have stars. microphones in front of their face um, all the time, I don't want to say they slip up, but they, they are a little bit more loose uh, with their comments, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, Alan Zemitis did the Penn State coaches show, uh, James Franklin's like Thursday night radio shows or one of the off weeks or something uh, this this past year. And I mean, he's great. He's great. Yeah. It's great feedback. It's, it's great. Fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. We talked sure. about the players being trained earlier. These guys don't get that kind of tram. I'm sure AZ had it when he was at Penn State, but that was a long, long time ago. It's nice. It's nice to to get outside of the usual suspects. So, uh, so that will be on Wednesday. But before then, Fitz, uh transfer portal stuff like do you do you anticipate that happening concurrent to i mean it doesn't seem like you're able to necessarily press pause i'm, I'm just wondering how that you expect that dynamic to to play out uh on wednesday the day but also just this week in general as they're trying to juggle roster spots here I don't, I don't think Wednesday matters all that much in the transfer portal because you have the opportunity to, to keep these guys um, and sign them in January. There's that, that window in January. So right now we're in a dead period. No visits whatsoever. That includes transfers. But on January 4th, that window opens a little bit where mid-year transfers can come in and take official visits. Penn State will host uh, the Wake Forest cornerback, whose name is escaping me right now. But they'll have an opportunity to get those guys back on campus. I, I would say... This weekend, they had hoped to get a couple of guys on campus, a couple of receivers on campus. It did not work out that way. Dante Thornton went to Miami. Uh, Devontae Walker went to North Carolina. I think he's going to end up in North Carolina. He's a Charlotte kid. You know, there's a lot pulling for him there. Uh, Caden Prather went to Maryland. So the guys that they were really looking heavily to get on campus this weekend, they did not get on campus. That is not good. That is not uh, not ideal. Now, those three themselves, or excuse me, two of those three, Prather and Thornton, I don't think you necessarily need to show them the campus and things like that because they've been here, but you want to get them, you want to get them back as, as much as possible. Um, so yeah, you, you're still looking if you're uh, if you're a, you know, if Penn state coach where you've put this value and you've put this priority on getting a receiver, you're still out there looking, you're still offering guys, which I said it before this, this cycle started they're going to offer a lot of guys it's not necessarily we're offering this guy because we think we've lost out on plan a whatever you know they're going to offer a lot of guys and then they're going to go back and they're going to check that tape and they're going to see if there's that's a guy that can fit in there because you are taking two it gives you a little bit more of a a little bit more leeway in that evaluation process but they got to get these guys on campus i mean and i think that you look at where these guys are coming from. They want to get on campus, uh, what, the second week of January. So maybe they do hold out for that window, but not getting them on campus gives them the entire Christmas break to think about it, gives them the entire Christmas break to reflect on the trips that they take and, and really takes down your chances if you're Penn State. Yeah. 
Interesting. Some something to watch. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Whew. Uh, in baseball for nothing. Thanks, Nate. Yeah. There you go. Uh, what else you got? Anything else before we, uh, we, we wrap this thing up? No, not really. Like I said, we've got uh, stuff all week on the site. Uh, covering recruiting is never boring. Like I said, it was really interesting. I, so I put that uh, RPM pick in for Daniel Harris to Georgia. And I like I was texting you guys before. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I got a phone call. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. And then I got a phone call an hour later. It's like, okay, maybe now I can do it. There's just so many twists. And it, it's not all for public consumption, but just so many twists in terms of uh, how this thing, how these things come down, because it's, uh, you're, you're running big business right here and uh, things, things matter. Um, things are under the microscope in the last week of the uh, recruiting period. I know it's crazy because a lot of these guys have been on the radar for a year or two or something like that. And to let it come down to the last second, not necessarily ideal. You know, that's how I like to do things in my everyday yeah, life. Of course, but it's of not exactly, it's not exactly how you approach the, the, the biggest decision of your life. So I don't know. It's all fun. Um, it's all uh, done with perspective. And I hope that you guys follow us on, uh, on BWI because I think we're doing some great work right now and it's definitely, I think worth your time. Could not have said it better myself. I, I do think uh, my last thought is that always strikes me around this time of year is uh, signing days are typically pretty boring for for Penn State. Like they're they're not bo- boring is the wrong word, but they're straightforward because the plan that Penn State has in place typically overwhelmingly goes to plan. It is executed. And so they, they just, they, you don't have a lot of cold feet. You don't have, and if they do have cold feet, it's, it's kept, uh, you know, undercover pretty well. And, and Penn state manages to, to pull out uh, what, what it does because they are so invested in that side of recruiting, of eliminating the drama of being, having the types of people uh, involved in the program who are committed to the program, who want to be at Penn State. Uh, it's, it, it is such an, a critical ingredient to, to what they do. Uh, and so, you know, I was going to ask you, like, are you expecting any, any crazy drama on Wednesday? But I think that that betrays everything that James Franklin and everything that Penn State football is shooting for in that space. Well, James was asked about this the other day. They talked about the calendar and how it could change. But if you look at the reality of the situation at Penn State, if you've got 25 commits, you know, probably 20 of them would sign as soon as they committed, if you let them, like, because they're going to Penn State. And that's the type yep. of, uh, of of kid that this program has recruited. Um, you know, you're going to have drama, especially in the age of NIL, which would certainly change things. Um, but uh, that's that's the way that they've done this and they've done it with a purpose. And that's why it's really interesting to watch the following, because, you know, they they do things in a cyclical nature. You've got a bunch of guys that commit it at one time and then you go a long stretch without getting one. And everybody gets upset because there hasn't been a commitment in in a certain amount of time. And then last week, three guys commit. And then this week, the, the thing is like, well, what about? receivers in the portal like what's going on like and it's that's the nature of the beast undoubtedly but to belie the success that they've had by you know worrying about what's going wrong is just uh i think that's a symptom of of some other stuff so um but no they they've done things for a reason they've done things largely the same way with different processes um throughout the last couple of cycles and and it's turned out well i mean they're they're starting to find themselves in a spot where they stack classes and they have to continue to build off of what they've they've done in the last couple of cycles yeah 
No doubt. No doubt. I'm going to take us home here, Fitz. Uh, I am Nate Bauer. He is Sean Fitz. Please, 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 uh, if you have not already and you're watching this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, hit notifications, all, all the stuff to, to do that you could possibly do with Blue White Illustrated. Please do it. Uh, if you don't subscribe yet to our site, please subscribe. Check out the site in the first place. Read the free stuff. Uh, come come check out our free board. Uh, get a feel for things, but I think that you're going to see with our premium information and some of the premium insights that you get from our staff, of which Sean is the best. Uh, Ryan Snyder is the next best, and I'm the next best after that. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a murderer's row of, uh, of what we feel is some of the best coverage of Penn State sports that you can get. Penn State football recruiting in particular is elite. Uh, for $10, you can have access to that through from now until the end of August 2023. So please take advantage of that. And if you're listening to this on podcast, uh, rate us, review us. Uh, love to get that feedback. So once again, I'm Nate. That's Sean, Blue White Illustrated. Stick with us this week. We'll uh, catch you next time. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.